0: Thank you, everybody. Turn to uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I would also say regarding Brazil. Today, Pastor Luciano is, uh, has put together, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's going to be going back over some of the things that they learned during the Rama seminar. And Anna took the graphic and redid it uh, with uh, the same picture, but this day and their church. And so let's pray for them. And let's also pray that um, the role that God has called them to serve on behalf of their country would be affirmed and strengthened and clarified. And we need God's strategies. We need each of these pastors to be able to not compete with one another, but to embrace what God has anointed them to do and um, and to do that. So we just, God got all these things, but we need his strategy, but today let's pray for um the first fruits church as they're redoing Rama, <laughs> which should be interesting uh, had uh, it's so sweet though because that uh, they they're they're doing they're trying so hard to grasp these concepts from the scripture and so this week I've had the privilege of being able to speak with them and um, to try to explain more, more, fur, more clearly some of the concepts so that they, they really understand them to where they're able to teach them. So I've been praying for them today that they'll do that um, with great success. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we're going to be reading. This is such a well-known passage. Uh, But we're going to focus on something today that is, um, I believe, directly from the Spirit for us. That's always good, isn't it? Um, But it's a new, it's it's an old concept, but it's a new concept. And I think we as saints need to recognize it. So, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's stop there. You know, in so many uh, internet Pentecostal focuses now, um, there are a lot of people that are talking about the Great Cloud of Witnesses, and a lot of the things that they're saying are right, and a lot of the things they're saying are pretty fanciful. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, this this is. Uh, let me just say, this is the topic de voyage right now. This Cloud of Witnesses businesses, and there are a lot of people teaching about it. We know what God's Word says, uh, that there, is a, there, there is a building upon over the generations of, you know, we would say we're standing on the shoulders of giants. And, you know, like the Apostle Paul, he set in motion what the Spirit allowed him to write. And, and it's our privilege and many, many other generations to build off of what the Spirit said through him for the time that they're living in, as God's word is being unveiled. So the great cloud of of a are those who have have given their lives and given themselves for the purpose of the Father that then makes the next generation uh, an opportunity to serve and to go forward and um what these, this cloud does, you know, uh, uh, in another passage of Hebrew where it talks about us going to our Mount Zion, it talks about the spirits of the just men made perfect. It talks about the, the firstborn, church of the firstborn, and it talks about those that are in heaven, uh, those who have died, um, who are serving the Lord in an extension of what he created them to be. Um, that, that business about the spirits of the just men made perfect is really an intriguing thought because we all are moving on behalf of the spirit of the Lord within us that he gave us, that, that is God's, God's divine DNA for what he wants us to be. That's born again through Christ. And somehow when we go, we're not necromancers, we're not people who are talking to the dead, we're not doing any of those things. But we do recognize that God, that God cherishes those who are serving, even uh, and who have served Him, who have done the work of the kingdom. Uh, you know, there there are four and twenty elders that are around the throne. When John was there in the heavens, he's talking to someone that he thinks is an angel. And he says, you know, I'm one of your fellow servants, the prophets, don't lay before me. So how God does all that, I don't know. We don't go there talking to the dead. We don't go there to, to, to mystify ourselves by asking, you know, Billy Graham questions or anything of that nature. That's not what we do. But yet God, in God's economy of love, he, he cherishes and he rewards those who have served him. And I, I, have, I have some grasp of how that works, but I dare say wouldn't try to explain it because it would create vulnerabilities for us. But this great cloud of witnesses is very operative as God brings things to a head, as the, as the, 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 the word of God is being unfolded right in front of us for the times of the end. Uh, This is heaven is a very active place. And so Paul or the writer of the Hebrews, whether it was Apollos or Paul or whoever it may have been, um, he says, since we recognize that this, we, we know we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses that encompassed about really means that we're, we're entwined. We're all part of God's plan. How do you separate what God's doing here from what God's doing here. It's an encompassing thing. And and it's wonderful to see only God could orchestrate that. Only God could do that. But with that in mind, knowing that we're part of the eternal plan, that heaven is where our conversation is, that we are welcome there. We're pillars of this temple if we're serving God to that degree, and he's promoted us into that. We're before the right hand of the Father, at the right hand where Jesus is. We're, we're sowing ourselves into the treasury in heaven. We're, we're doing all of these things, recognizing that. Let us lay aside every weight and the, and the ways that we could easily be beset and miss the mark. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, what what is our, from our came eye, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of what's going on at the right hand of the Father, who for the joy that was set before him, and here's what we want to talk about today, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. What powerful things we read about our Lord Jesus. And it's not a theoretical view. It's not a scholastic view. It's not something that we just read about and think, oh, how wonderful Jesus is, which we should think. But these are things you're living. These are things that God has given us, and we're walking with God in them. But when it says the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, we've talked about joy in the Old Testament and the New, and how the joy that was set before him um, was, was that privilege of fulfilling what the Father wanted. Joy, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. That joy of looking ahead in the Father to fulfilling what he has given us to do. You know, and we again, we've written on this, we've studied about, it, but joy in its essence is not just a happy <whistles> not not just a happy demeanor, but knowing that we're invested in something that is beyond the challenges of this moment, for the goal of our father. That is how Jesus endured the cross, and that uh, that that cross was um, was something that was being uh, that was being set apart for the reasons that we have discovered scripturally as we take our cross, that stake of ownership of the histemes, that 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 wonderful privilege of stating, I'm here not on my own strength, not because I thought it was a good idea but because my Father has sent me to this place. As, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I am here with Jesus and this cross that He paid this sacrifice of blood and flesh and spirit and mind and passion. He paid the price for everything in this place. Everything in this location. And I establish the cross and I welcome the kingdom. That's the joy of the Lord. It's an imp- it was a demonstration of the joy of the Father, but it's also an example for us in the joy of the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But what does it mean when it says despised the shame? And here is, w- oh, and I, 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 I can tell you that you have two or three very deep studies to do In your Bible program on this and it to be very easy I'm gonna pinpoint what they are the first is despising does it make any sense where Jesus is hanging on the cross for him saying man I'm embarrassed you know I despise this does that make sense in all that Jesus came to do and when you just read it that's what you might think it means but it doesn't mean that. So let's break it down. First of all, despising is the Greek word kataphroneo. Now you should know what phroneo is because phroneo comes from friend, that that allowing the spirit within you to breathe, to pray in tongues, to embody what God has put you on this earth to do. And and you, you become alive there. And through that then, it 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 inspires your passion for the Father. It also should direct your thinking and your understanding. We've said this. That's one of the reasons why if people really are not engaged in, in utilizing the gifts of unknown tongues, diversities of tongues, and letting your spirit communicate the mysteries of God before, before the throne to the Father, that chances are when fresh meat or new revelation comes, they're going to say, well, I don't get that. I don't know. And they'll balk at it. But those who have been investing themselves in communicating with God his mysteries, letting their friend breathe. Remember the phrenic nerve in your neck controls the breathing apparatus. Medical people, will they, they call it that. It, so it's about breathing, letting the Spirit of the Lord express through you and um, your spirit praise, and we've studied about that. So froneo really is your understanding of mission built upon that, the things God has shown you from His Word, the things God has allowed you to understand about what you're doing in partnership with Him the things that the Spirit has inspired and guided you into truth and allowed you to understand them through the Word, those things you have a responsibility to make your litmus of understanding where you judge things based upon the Word. So when you come to kataphroneo, that says that first of all, you may not understand everything, but what you do know makes you aware of what's going on around you, and if something is not aligned with that, you say, "Uh uh-uh, you don't. We don't do this. Because of what God has put in my life to do, how I am communicating with him. I'm going to have to surrender this place and what all it entails to God when my time on earth ends. And I want to, I'm going to have to give account with what I've done on behalf of what he put me on this earth to do. He sent his son to cause this to become born again. And then at the day of Pentecost, he breathed the, the tongues of fire and ignited that so that not only would we speak in the languages, that only the Spirit could inspire, but it would illuminate our head and grant uh, a, 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 the judgment and burning of God upon uh, the authority that God has given to where we understand and we proclaim. That's just Pentecost one o one, and we all us kids growing up. I mean, we know those verses, and now they just go click, 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 click. Yep, it's all there. And that's important for me because, and it should be for you, because when we're dealing in the spirit realm, it's not about emotions or what this prophet Joe said over here or what somebody else may have said. If it's not thus saith the Lord, I don't want it, because the enemy is just waiting for people to go off half cocked or in their imaginations, or you know, the, the pathway to hell is is straddled with good intentions the broad is the way that leads to destruction. I want that narrow gate. I want that single eye. And I want to be what God has asked me to be. How about you? I want to be what God has put me on this earth to do. and, and I want to I want to be aware scripturally. I want to make sure I understand what God is showing and He will help you. He doesn't guide you into all truth alone. He lets you partner with him in that truth so that you know that you know to do and to teach, as we were talking about today in Pastor Fabian's Sunday school class. The man with the experience, never at the mercy of a man with an argument. But when you have an experience in God that is absolutely foundationally secured in the word, nothing moves you. I know whom I'm believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That committed unto him is an interesting Greek idiom because it doesn't mean, well, I'm just going to do this and give it to God. He's my notary. No, no. I, if I'm not committed to him. I'm committed with him. And that makes all the difference. That's the idiom there. So how do we know? through spending time with him, spending time in his word, praying, uh, welcoming the mysteries of God to be spoken forth through us. And then we interpret and we glean and the spirit guides us. And that, when that is in you, it's not that you're critical. It's not that you're judgmental. And I know that there's a narrow line there, but there's just something that comes over me when, when somebody is misusing the scripture even innocently, and I don't, you know me, I'm not bashing people, but I think that's not what the scripture's saying. That's not, I'm not saying that's what what my tradition says. I'm not saying that's, well, we've always done it this way. Bless God, we're not changing. If the scripture's saying this and you're carrying it off over here, I don't like that. Now, King James uh, translation uses despise. So I guess I can say I despise that. I have no... I have no, it's not acceptable. <laughs> I mean, I mean. I remember, and this is, um, can I give a bad illustration? Uh, when the girls were in school, one of the things they heard me say, if I knew that there was a topic that they needed to know, and they were saying, I don't understand it, or, you know, I don't want to go to bed, I say, that is not acceptable. We're going to get this done, and we're going to know it. And they turned out okay, didn't they? Um, but you know, when it comes to the word, it's not acceptable. We we've got to know what we believe. And and we've we've got to let that be our our guide. And so to despise there is cataphroneo. And you'll you'll see that used. so the first study you do, not now while I'm preaching. But you look up that word, and you see where it's used, and you remember that it has to do with the base of who you are, that Christ caused to be born again. And this is your functionality, your identity in God, your individual identity. You hope he's, oh, well, bless God, I'm a son. Well, yeah, you are. But what is your designation? Dennis served in the Navy. He just didn't run around saying they were sailors. They had specializations. They all knew, you know, he told us last week about all the training they did to trying to get off the island. Well, he went to another island. And, you know, he had a specialization. Each of you have a specialization. Well, what's my specialization, pastor? Well, study to show yourself approved. Let God reveal that. You know, you will you'll, you'll know them by their fruits. But each of you has that and God expects you to serve in it. But the point, though, is that the one thing we all have in common is we need to make sure that the spirit within is active. Well, How do I make it active? Well, first of all, you recognize that it's your job to keep it active. You know, you can hold your breath breath till you turn blue, and uh, that's why so many of the churches are the chosen frozen, Because they're just all comatose. That's what Paul said in the communion passage. You know, he didn't say it exactly, chosen, frozen. But it's up to you to stay breathing. How do I do that? Pray. Let your spirit pray. Pray. Pray in the spirit. Uh, Don't do the old uh, spiritual. Every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I'll pray. You're not going to feel the spirit every day. You're waiting for that. You're going to be dead. You know what I mean? the most important times I've ever shared in prayer with the Lord was when I didn't feel like praying. And I went anyway because I want to be with my Father. No matter what I'm feeling like in the natural, I want to be serving Him. And I want to be spending sending forth my words through the Spirit within, speaking to Him, the mysteries, building up my most holy faith. I need that. He needs that. That's one of the great divine mysteries. Why God made himself in a position where he needs that from you and me, I don't know. It just has to be his love. But we need to do that. And you have a responsibility. Ain't nobody making you do that. And, and so, you know, I guess we could walk around during a prayer meeting banging on a pan, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. There was a pastor in Harlem Uh, a Chinese-American guy that Pastor Fulton and I ministered at his church, and that's what he would do. (laughs) He'd have all-night prayer meetings when his people would engage in snorrelia. He'd walk through with a pan, bang, 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 bang. And I thought, but that'll that'll spur you to action. What do you think of that, Fran? Would you take that job just to bang the pan for us? I know you would. Um, So uh, maybe you get Scott to help you, and then he can do it. (laughs) Oh, my. So anyway, um, it's up to you. And and you've you've got to, to me, that is knowing that that has to happen and you just using the gift God gave us at the birth of the church, that will lead you into lots of other wonderful aspects of development. Uh, You know, when I learn something in in the Scripture, it's amazing how, once that is in me, my spirit will leap for that. My spirit will embrace that. And, and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But it's up to you to do that. Even if, you, even if you didn't go past second grade and you don't understand a lot of things we try to teach, I, I feel for you. But every one of us can pray in diversities of tongues. Every one of us can. There's no excuse. Oh, I don't understand. Well, do you know how to open your mouth and let the Spirit pray through you? Do it. My mind is unfruitful. Great. Your mind doesn't have to produce any fruit with this. Your your mind should just step aside and let you pray in the Spirit, and then what God says, He'll give you understanding. So, boy, I spent a lot of time on that. Tammy, why would you let me spend so much time on that? um but anyway having that developed then adjust your perspective and you should have a no tolerance policy that doesn't mean you go around telling people how much you know and how dumb they are uh, you know but but for yourself don't fall for that banana in the tailpipe if you know that you're supposed I do not understand this luke got an extra hour of sleep so he's more frosty today um but de- despise the shame. Now, okay, so that's the first. You'll see that that's used. One of my favorites, which I almost preached on this morning, but I knew it was communion and we could do better from this cross passage, um, where it talks about little ones. And and it uses the term micros, M-I-K-R-O-S. And because... One, maybe twice, it's used to describe children. Most people think that it's just about little kids, little Levites. Well, that's definitely a picture of what God's trying to communicate. But it's also used to describe the mustard seed. It's used to describe those who are serving in remote locations that are maybe not... um, heralded, and it it, it really speaks about how it's morphed into our language. If you use a micro, that's the French translation, probably more close to the Greek, the microscope, what are you looking at, little children? Are you looking at things that are smaller than the naked eye really could see? Or if I'm speaking into a microphone, that means that my voice is small, but I want it to reach out way back up there where Nathan's holding the fort at the right hand of God. And so the, the whole concept of micro or little ones, yes, the picture of little children. Don't, don't reject them. But in one of the passages where he's not talking about kids at all, Jesus says, make sure that you don't despise the Micros, because the angels that are assigned to that always behold the face of the Father. That is an amazing picture. Now, all of us who grew up in church and have had little kids, we often like to apply that to our little babies. And uh, this is where the whole concept of guardian angels come from. And, you know, that's great. And I do believe that God protects our children. He's done that. He does that. We, we're grateful for that. But the concept is about the micros. And the concept is about the ways of God, the face of God, and those angels that are assigned from the foundation of the world to serve the heirs of salvation, which is you in doing the will of the Father. And Jesus said, develop that area within you so that you do not despise the small thing. In the Old Testament it says, despise not the day of small beginnings, but that's what it's about. Neither should you despise the mustard seed, because even though it is that small, if you have that, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Or the mustard seed, though it's smaller than any other, will grow, and the birds of the air will be there. The Micros, that's your second point of study. Look at where Micros is, and it's, it's very interesting, and that goes along with this uh, cataphroneo. So when you begin to partner with God in this deep place in your spirit, God will want you To embrace the small thing. How many ways have we seen that in the scripture? God extends his hand to you in the winter of seasons. There's nothing in it. It looks like there's nothing there. But he said, Will you believe? Abram has no children. He's looking for the easer of the Lord. And God says, Lift up your eyes and look. Can you believe? And Abram believed, and God said, That's righteousness. This is my friend. How many times has God said, I'm going to begin it in the small things. I'm going to work through a remnant. I'm going to work through those who are willing to believe me. I'm going to go through the narrow gate. I'm going to go through the small place. How many other ways have we seen that? And so when we're to despise not the Micros, and you can study it, it's very interesting, you'll find this concept of know who God has made you to be. Let that grow and let that breathe and know that he's going to bring those impossible things for you to agree upon. And it's having that understanding, if you look at despise, that word for despise through your Bible program, and if you look at Particularly when you come upon some of those micros that you're not supposed to despise, but you're supposed to recognize that the place within you was made to embrace that in God. And think about this where does life begin in humans? You know, Congress will argue about that. They don't really care. It's still about progressive versus conservative, Bible bashers worth, you know, you know that. But the essence of life begins in such a microscopic way that you can't see it with a natural eye. That's how you began. You think the the doctrine of first things, first issuance, matters to you? If God creates you in that way, that's where life begins. If God creates you in that way, do you suppose maybe He wants you to partner with Him in that way? Not just to have a spade of babies, but to but to partner with him for things that are unseen, but yet you believe. So the despising here is very interesting. Now, so those two things. Now, the third one, and that's all I'll give you for this week because I, if I can get you to do one of them, I know I'm going to be doing good. The third one is the shame. Why would he do this with the shame? Now, this is very interesting. Put on your thinking caps class. If you don't have one, Tammy has an extra in her purse. Um, Now, the Bible says in the Old Testament, just stick with me here. Cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. And curse there, there are two main words for curse in the Old Testament. Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree has everything to do with shame and ridicule. It's not the curse of rebellion. It's the curse of being made a fool of. Whether you're innocent or not, and and really the shame comes upon people who are innocent. And, you know, it's like the, the one thief on the cross said, hey, you know, we're up here because we had it coming. This guy's done nothing. Shame is something that is endured um, largely when you're innocent. And so if you take that into the New Testament, you remember that Christ, when it talks about him being crucified on a tree, I'm not talking about the word for the cross, but on a tree, it's the same word, zylon, it's only used there and to describe the tree of life. Got that so far? Now, let's hop back to the to the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Why was that? In fact, you know, we talked about shame. The progressives would like to say shame is, is really what society puts on you to keep you from doing what you were really made to do. Anything you want to do is fine. We don't shame you. And a lot of the progressive church, that's their main altar call every week. Oh, you've been out doing all these things? Well, there's no shame here. God, you know, you're already forgiven. So you just come up and you just keep on sinning that grace may abound. That's that's the viewpoint. And there's a lot of talk about shame. Why were Adam and Eve not ashamed? It has to do with the nakedness. It had to do with the fact that they lived to serve what God wanted to clothe them with. And they wanted to serve what the tree of life was wanting to sow into the earth. And that's, to me, when it says that um, Christ despised the shame, he, he recognized that a price had to be paid this is one of the prices of Adam's sin, because when they then tried to clothe themselves in fig leaves, they were separated from God. And the angels barred their entry into what their eternal purpose was really supposed to be, what Eden really represented. And so they, they went away as those that were apart from God. And um, it, it's really a tragic thing, but the most tragic thing about all of it was God's plan for you and for me to partner with what he had ordained in heaven and how that river of life and the tree of life was supposed to be giving glory to the Lord here on earth. And so, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me that Christ then hung uh, as, as that one that would be cursed on a tree. Uh, because he had to pay the price for us to have that willingness to not be ashamed again, to where we could be before God and be clothed upon by Him, which is what the, the apostle, what what Jesus wrote in through John in the book of Revelation to the Laodiceans. You know, you're wealthy. You know, you've already arrived. You've got all. I have need of nothing. And God said, you know what? You need an anointing on your eyes so that you begin to see what I'm wanting you to do again, and you need to recognize that you're naked. <laughs> you're naked, and you need to be clothed upon by God. And so for him to despise the shame, Really, those three things really encompass what you and I are called to do. I know this is a very deep thing, but this is talking, you want to know about Jesus, this is what he did, and this is what you're doing. The first thing is we're born again in spirit, and we have a Father in heaven, and we have our elder brother, our precious Savior at the right hand of God. We have this gift of tongues and interpretation, and we have diversities of tongues, and we have the living word. And we have all these ways where we can communicate with God and let that identity for Him be embraced. And we recognize that with that, we're going to be asked to believe for things. We walk not by sight, but by faith. We believe for the impossible. That's the way God moves. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's what the Scripture says. I want to please God, but faith is believing for things that be not as though they are. And that is the ultimate micro. And so when we are developed in God, we're not going to despise that. In fact, we're going to recognize that this is why we're alive. And we're going to embrace it. And we are going to say that we are here for his kingdom to come and his will be done. The second Adam has come so that we can go before him and represent the kingdom, represent the river of God, represent what the throne is doing and wanting to do, represent what uh, uh, that, that tree of life, which seems that I read somewhere that those leaves are for the healing of the nations and that the saints and the overcomers have right to that fruit. Did I read that right? Or is my King James faulty there? No, I see that. And so if he despises the shame, that means that when he embraced this identity and made it possible for you and me, it's time for us again to be clothed upon by what God wants to do, to represent what his kingdom would say. And we are, we are willing to be naked before him that we might be clothed upon by his power. He despised the shame. That point of, of identity from God would say, I'm not going to reject that. I'm going to become that so that I can do what God wanted to have done on this earth from the very beginning of all things. Cursed is one that hangs on the tree. Whoever will hang on the tree will be ridiculed, will be shamed. But thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants us to be clothed upon in righteousness. He wants us to be those sons and daughters of the Most High who will serve the will of the Father and to see miracles happen. And so from that point of identity and understanding, he says... Adam's sin is no more binding you. What they did on behalf of the enemy no longer restricts you. From this point, I am willing to say I embrace God's plan and we will see miracles happen. So that one little phrase right there, despising the shame, really speaks about you and me. And it's our Lord who provided this. Now, would we have been able to, as it is right now, I know this is a deep topic for Sunday morning, but so so what? I mean, (laughs) we all are called to do mighty things. We've got to have this strong meat. This is doing something in you, whether you understand it fully at this very moment or not. As you look into this and study, it's going to be amazing what the Spirit will do In invigorating various passages of scriptures that you say, Wow, I never realized it was talking about that. But look what it says. I'm living this right now. I've needed to be encouraged by this understanding. That's what meat does it strengthens you with spiritual protein in your musculature so that you can rise up and do things that you had not been able to do before. It's God's timing for you to mount these new places. And he's giving this to you. And it's a gift from him. I know that why did God wait to this moment to show us? Maybe because over the past few years he's been teaching us about the tree of life and the trees. He's been teaching us about the friend and the froneo. He's been teaching us about and encouraging our spirit to become more active than it's been. To recognize in a time where the enemy is just shellacking the progressive church with a perverted, heretical viewpoint of shame, God's saying, what is shame all about? What does it really mean for you in me? To where you stand before me, and you recognize I'm willing to be a fool for Christ's, I'm I'm not going to cover myself. I'm not going to reject that point. But the coming upon me is going to be an amazing thing. The enemy said, hey, you know what? Half God said, you know, if you touch this thing, if you disobey and touch this thing over here, you know, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like Elohim. And he's just trying to keep that from you. What's God saying to you? There are many trees in the garden. And there's that one right there that's going to bring healing to the genos. Will you partner with me in prayer and in representing this message throughout the world and in teaching others? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, but to the Gentile. Thank God for the Gentile. Well, he endured the cross because of the joy. And then, because he wanted to serve the Father in joy, he despised the shame. That's us. And as we come before this table now, I believe that there are things that God is allowing you and me on behalf of His timing and His throne, to embrace and to allow Him to come upon us and to clothe us with garments of righteousness that maybe we've not been asked to wear to this point. And we see through this cross that one of the things that Christ paid the price for in hanging on that tree... And again, the Old Testament, curse be the one who hangs on the tree. And then in the New Testament where it's quoted, it uses only there that word that describes the tree of life. This is what we're doing. It's the kingdom. Kingdom come, will be done. That's you. And I thank our Lord and the wisdom of God that he despised that whole mis- How how do I say it? How do I describe rebellion? But God gave this through Christ as a gift to us to represent the kingdom. And uh, I, I just ask that as we come before this table today, there are so many things that we can fellowship with Jesus about. But proactively, let's welcome this new measure of covering that he is ordained for this moment and recognize that Christ made this possible for us. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just feel overwhelmed with this. So, Father, I ask you'll seal this word. Help us, Lord, to be what you've asked us to be in these days. And, and I pray that as we enter into this time of worship and commune, that your spirit will minister to and through us in the exact way that you've ordained. We thank you for it, Father. We make ourselves open to receive from you and to align ourselves with you. Thank you. We love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.